Welcome to Improphosophy, where we have living room discussions for your daily life. Today we are on part three of The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis, and today we will be discussing friendship. Enjoy! Should we um, start with like a summary of last time and then... Go to this time. Um, I mean, we can we can just give a basic overview. Excuse me, I'm gonna move my mic. There we go. Um, I, I think well, comparing it to last week for affection, uh, just giving it a, as a baseline for something, because there are many things that people have affections for things, and it depends on what it is. So it can be an affection for something good, or it can be an affection for something bad. Um, it, it just, like it, like I mentioned, it, it would just all depend on what it would be. So if uh, if you have a great affection for your pets, that's a good thing. But if you're too obsessed about them, say, pushing your, well, this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it might be a little overboard, pushing your uh, little pet chihuahua in a stroller. I don't know. Eh, maybe maybe that's just me, but I, I don't think it's too weird. But maybe trying to use an animal to fulfill uh, that need of wanting a child in your life. I guess that would be a good way of um, having your affections disoriented. Or disordered is a better way of putting it. What do you think, Corey? Him and him and his notes, he's better at that than I am. Yeah, so last time, so C.S. Lewis has four um, loves, affection, friendship, eros, and charity. And last week we talked about affection. A week, our time, I don't know how many weeks listening. <laughs> but affection, he calls it, it's like a familiar love with humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of like a, a general just gratitude and affection to everyone around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a love that I guess maybe it aims towards unity in a sense of just uh, being gentle with anyone that comes into or leaves your life. Whereas friendship, um, where friendship, it's kind of a version of love that leads to maybe diversity uh, that you can get in very tight circles of people with a common interest. Um, yeah, that, that, that's the way I thought about it. A friendship, you you get into a niche and you become really close acquaintances with those people. Mm-hmm. Whereas affection, you can kind of raise your um, conscientiousness and, and be gentle and kind to all people. Um, when it becomes fulfilled and it maybe it makes me think a little bit about um, the body of Christ you can ask where things are going like are things going towards unity or diversity mm-hmm. and the answer is both it's it's like a unified body but it's different functions so it's like this diversity of love leading to this diversity of functions but also this unity of, of conscientiousness and mm-hmm. and connectedness. Uh, that's just my rambling off the top of my head. Yeah, I think uh, that, that's a good basis for it. 
so as the way Lewis was putting it, just uh, as a baseline for all the other loves, because can you if you don't have an affection for somebody who you would consider a friend, would you consider them a friend? That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, they're going to mix together. I think being generally affectionate can grow friendships. People can just see that you're responsive to certain things. Mm-hmm. So I, I think having a general positive regard, like who knows what could happen if you're nice to people, you make new friends, like whole new worlds can open up just by being there for people. I think that's like a good broad overview for last for the last topic we were going over and tying it into this week. So um going on for this week then I guess is oh, what was my point? Oh, uh there was a point in there that Lewis was saying was if I could find it. it he was mentioning saying, Oh, you too? I thought I was the only one. I know he's... I've gone through some of other Lewis's works. And he had a big interest in Norse and Greek mythology. And when he found somebody else who had the same interest as him, he thought he was the only one for the longest time. But it's finding somebody who would have that same interest as you. Working together to have a better enjoyment. And he also... you're referring to Tolkien... Um, not even necessarily Tolkien himself. It, it was more of um, other people who he met when he got up to, not even up to Oxford. I think it was sometime before. It was in his okay. autobiography, Surprised by Joy, because he goes into some details of uh, where he grew up from and up to a point where I think he's uh, in Oxford because he talks about his time in the service and all that. But he mentions that friendship isn't necessarily something that's a benefit for biological reproduction. Mm. You can have arrows, of course, and you can have a basic affection for something, but friendship isn't necessary in a very small sense. I guess for survival because you don't necessarily need to be friends with somebody to procreate with them. So with a man, with a woman and woman with a man, they could hate each other, but they can say, okay, we're just going to do this just to propagate the species. And then I don't want to see your face after this. And then they could just let the child be raised by whoever even though that would be absolutely awful. Yeah, I think Lewis was saying with with affection, it's kind of linked to our mammalian instinct of, mm-hmm. of attachments between parents and offspring. Like, oh, that's so cute. That that cartoon character has, has big eyes and a um, bunch of fur and it's it looks cozy to the eye or something. Mm-hmm. I, I think the thought was that for... For affection, it's off our mammalian instincts, and then arrows could be kind of built off our reproductive instincts. Mm-hmm. But his his view is that friendship is 
not as instinctual. Um, people could have common goals and work together in their job. And he uses the word uses the word companionship, mm -hmm. kind of like for some reason it calls it like a matrix. Like a matrix of companionship is your job, and then out of this matrix of companionship, sometimes you can get an actual friend. Uh, and that this is like a special relationship where it goes a little further beyond having the same goal and it, it goes into that oh you too mm -hmm. you thought about this this truth or this reality or this world as well and then it, it can kind of be um, an exclusive way of maybe exploring those worlds and those realities mm-hmm so yeah, I guess it's it's less natural because you can you can do your job and provide for your family and come home with a paycheck every day and you're definitely checking all the boxes to survive. Mm -hmm. However, however, friendship. Hmm, it, yeah, it's like an emergent property of of just companionship but it doesn't have to exist in all technicality mm -hmm. i think my my thought was uh here's one of the points i was thinking of he mentions how the ancients had a better understanding of friendship than how we do today or even in lewis's time because his was uh after two world wars so that that's just to give you around the time of the time that this was written back then way back then ancient greece and rome times they had a different understanding of friendship than how we do today if somebody has let's say you're showing them kindness and affection uh, let's say you're a guy showing another guy some sort of affection some people might think oh well do you like him as a friend or do you like him a little bit more as a friend it's like what are you talking about i i just like him as a friend he's somebody who i enjoy hanging out with it's like oh okay that's kind of weird and some people some people make it uh, the disconnection of uh friendship as eros and just friendship as just simple friendship if that makes sense yeah, okay, so you talked about the ancient and modern view. Yeah. Um, yeah so the, the ancient one being yeah, that legit friendships can exist and they are their own thing. Mm -hmm. And then modernly, sometimes if you're really good friends with another um, person, it's, there can be this weird assumption that it's like a closeted relationship happening. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Lewis mentions that in, in his in this part of it sorry my my brains I, i've got my points it's just my brains uh scattered I, i'm terrible with taking notes just because i don't have a journal in front of me half the time whenever i'm reading uh yeah let's let's just go let's go into those one at a time the the ancient mm -hmm. idea of friendship and then and then what lewis believes has happened modernly mm-hmm yeah, I think, so going back to the ancient, um, at least for in, in this passage here, 
let's take for instance uh, Patroclus and Achilles. A lot of people like to think that they were they had some sort of homoerotic relationship. As a matter of fact, I've gone through the entirety of the Iliad and the Odyssey, and in reality, they were just that, really good friends. Um, who else? Because you, you can see playful banter with one another. You can see them... Uh, you can see Patroclus kind of comforting Achilles, but that doesn't mean that they're in some sort of homoerotic relationship. Because you see this all sort of thing all the time in modern military where guys call each other, well, that's my brother. There's a great love for one another. There's times when guys get together and they're just letting each other know what's going on in their life. Like, this thing's going on. This thing's bothering me. I need your help, man. I, I don't know what to do. Stuff like that. It, it has been lost on the culture, I think that, and I think a lot of it's been, I, I think a lot of twistedness in regards to a lot of what's on the internet. That's, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. I, I generally think that using like woke lenses to reinterpret mm -hmm. a 2000 year old literature mm -hmm. is might not always get you the best solution like just reading a book for what it is um yes as far as the ancients i'm he mentioned cierto and aristotle the only person i'm familiar with is is aristotle as far as friendship and his thought was that there are friendships of different depths his taxonomy is that there's friendships based on common pleasures uh, we both like golf or we both are drinking buddies. Mm -hmm. uh, there's friendships based on a level below that on, on common goals. Uh, we're trying to, I don't know, build an aircraft or we're trying to build a house together or um, we're trying to transport goods. So it's, it's common pleasures, then common goals, and then at the bottom, which Aristotle calls true friendship, is friendship based on common values. That's that's generally his taxonomy. Hmm. Um, I'd have to read his ethics, but I, but I get what you're talking about. Yeah, th those are at least the three he identified, and he did have a view that friendship was a very discrete and structured thing with certain properties although they, they can mix together like mm -hmm. c.s lewis believes with his loves um and then and then what's um yeah could you try to describe the modern um i think a good way of putting it is there are people who are extremely sa sex saturated but touch starved. So somebody who spends a lot of time on internet pornography. So when they see, let's say they're watching a movie and they see two guys being kind of uh, rough and tumble with each other or they're kind of being playful with each other. You see people online like, oh my goodness, they're, they're gay. I'm like, have you actually had a friend 
And I don't mean that in a very dismissive, insulting way, but I, I'm asking have people like that had a true friend to where you can actually uh, joke around with them and it not be sexual in any way. I mean, you see this kind of sort, you see that sort of thing all the time on Twitter. <laughs> although, although that's neither here nor there. Yeah, like I'm not even going to talk to my like LG, talk to the points of my LGBT friends. I I think it's, it's really not even about that. I, I think it's about modernly trying to put people into a category that they're not in. Mm-hmm. Like your friends, it's like, oh, do you, do you like them in that way? And so I guess it's like overanalyzing and trying to funnel people into a category of something more than a friend. And then as a result, um, Lewis believes that there's not a healthy definition of what friendship is. C.S. Lewis does identify what he believes to be a pivot point between the two worlds. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he thinks that it was the Romantic movement. Yeah, that's what that I've been trying to find. Overemphasized instinct, um, glorified it like it's all about sex and nature, and just our instincts that are really attuned with nature, our our reproduction, our mammalian instincts are are very natural and important and c.s lewis thinks that the romantic movement left out friendship i was you know it's kind of dramatic and solitude and shack up with someone and whatnot he he identifies he identifies that modernly as as where the the pivot from the ancient way of thinking of friendship to mm-hmm. to modernly uh here i think this is it I'm i'm gonna read for a moment here let me see. Sorry. Yeah. Let me make sure that this is it. The homosexual theory, therefore, seems to me not even plausible. And don't forget, Lewis was a bit of a classicist, so he knew classic a lot of classic literature. This is not to say that friendship and abnormal eros have never been combined. Certain cultures at certain periods seem to have tended in that, uh, I think he says contam- contamination, if that's how it's pronounced. In warlike societies, it was, I think, especially likely to creep into the relationship between the mature brave and his young armor-bearer or squire. The absence of the woman while you were on the warpath had no doubt something to do with it in deciding if we think we need or can decide where it crept in or where it did not. We must surely be guided by the evidence when there is any and not by an a priori theory. Uh, kisses, tears, and embraces are not in themselves evidence of homosexuality. The implications would be, if nothing else, too comic. Hothrar embracing Beowulf, uh, Johnson embracing Boswell, a pretty frag, fragment, excuse me, a pretty, yeah, never mind. <laughs> Sorry, I'm stumbling over my words. But basically, if I can stop right there. It's the idea of, as we mentioned, reading a modern lens into ancient literature. But it's, I think it's kind of hard to take out a lot from the little bit that Lewis wrote. And what I mean by that is he seemed to write in this chapter a lot without saying a lot. What do you think? 
Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't need to talk to this too much, but I think the second half of the chapter uh, definitely did. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so yeah, we talked about the ancient version of friendship and modernly how, how sometimes uh, it, it's viewed as weird or tries to funnel um, people into a category of like, oh, people are more than friends. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we talked about the romantic period Lewis defines as the turning point. Um, in, in his own words, um, I won't speak to my personal beliefs on on some of this. Um, but so, so, so he sets up this narrative of this cultural shift of, of leaving friendship out of the picture that the modern way of thinking was missing something. And then what does he actually define friendship as um, yeah. outside of the historical uh, framework that he uses? Yeah. I, I think, I think it, as well, let, let's take a, the, this application and apply it to our modern setting here. Take a look at how many people there are kind of lonely. They don't really have friends, but they're seeking romance. I think even when people just seek romance in the end, all, a lot of that excitement fades after a while. And the question is, are you going to be alone even though you have somebody there? So you're viewing it as this like crash or burn, find a romantic lover mm-hmm. or um, be like destitute mentality that exists that there's no like, stepping stone of friendship for certain people some people but what i'm trying to say is i think some people probably and don't think about friendship too much and i i didn't really think too much of it but i watched some uh good videos that kind of help shape my view and understanding of friendship that some people viewed even friendship i think it was in the middle ages i'd have to i'd have to go back and double check that so don't don't you can you can you can uh put that as a citation like citation needed but i think maybe it was during the middle ages where they viewed friendship as a higher love than romance or eros because friendship is something that is lasting while eros is something more of in the moment even if it lasts say a few years after a while when you've been around somebody you you might be you might get a little tired of them after a while. Like okay, I I need my space here. I don't want to abandon you, but I just need need a little bit of space, and then I'll come back to you. Does that make sense? Yeah, I haven't read much medieval um literature, but yeah, I'll have to take your word on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, if, if somebody wants to fact check me, be, be my guest, because I'm, I'm trying to remember from the back of my head here. So, okay, friendship. I, I think C.S. Lewis just talks right into Aristotle, to be honest. Mm-hmm. He views friendship as requiring uh, common goals and skills. And then it's mm-hmm. it's kind of grows out of um, companionship. So you start having esoteric jokes at your workplace uh you know it's like saying 
you know, like Debbie, the receptionist, the mm-hmm. one that wears the the glasses and has the printer at her desk and when you print things she'll give it to you but we'll make you return the paper clip like yeah debbie mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. know debbie yeah everyone knows a debbie um yeah fr- friendship turns into esoteric jokes that was the example that came to mind mm-hmm. uh yeah i i think I think getting on a, a better topic in regards to friendship is uh, going into what cultivates into friendship, starting with affection and then going into sometimes it actually there are oftentimes where it's like, oh, you you like that thing. I like that thing. Let's get together and enjoy that thing together. While other times, you know, it, it takes time to get to know somebody Let's say you have the same group of friends and you kind of get to know them. And then after a while, you just start hanging out with them more and more. And so friendship is something that can develop. Other times it's something that can happen immediately. I think in our modern day context, I'm trying to bring it down to a more practical level. Yeah, I think there is like this departure from the normal when Mm -hmm. you have your coworker. uh, you're affectionate, you're at least familiar with each other. And then for the first time, your coworker's like, hey, want to go to the bar with me after work? Mm-hmm. So I, I think it, sometimes it is a bit of a divergence from the just doing your thing, just doing your job. Like it, it is this voluntary commitment that people choose. Mm-hmm. Were you going to say something else? I certainly could, but <laughs> oh, to me, to me, it sounded like you were going to keep going. It, it almost sounded like you ended on a comma. Ah, <laughs> uh, my, my coworkers pick on me for that all the time. Yeah. Oh, you you seem to just stop mid sentence, and they're like, "Yes, and oh man, yeah." C.S. Lewis he uses the vision of the um imagery of lovers being like. A face-to-face relationship whereas mm-hmm. friendships more like a side-to-side shoulder-to-shoulder mm-hmm. kind of walking in the same direction for a time being um, relationship uh, I, I think that's kind of a helpful image of how to think about it mm-hmm. I, I think as well for our relationships I think we've lost the art of good friendship, if that makes sense, where we need to rediscover it amongst ourselves. And I I think for myself and my own personal life, I've been starting to value a good friendship, um, what a good friend is, even if even if they don't necessarily give you the shirt off their back, not everyone has to do that. You can just simply enjoy their company and that be enough. But you, you don't have to always, I don't know, look to impress people or find people to impress you, if that makes sense. Um, but in regards to the face-to-face and the side-by-side thing, yeah, that, that makes sense. Because I, I thought of it as somebody... 
you know, if you're romantically involved with them, look deep into my eyes sort of thing, or um, laying in bed next to each other, that kind of thing. But in regards to friendship, you're, let's say you're, you're walking with each other, having a good time, or if you're coming out of a bar late at night, kind of leaning on each other, saying, where should we go next? Never had the I've, answer's always the next bar. <laughs> I've never had those Hope not. I've never had those moments, but I I'm only trying to give an example. But I, I think So okay, we've talked about uh the creation of a friendship. So mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit of a departure from from just your normal skills or, or what you're doing. Um and I I think you're getting into like I guess like the middle of a friendship. Mm-hmm. I just checking in with each other, knowing that people are there. And I'm also curious about the end of a friendship. When's, is there a good time that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like people just move on or and does it have to be a sad thing or is it just a part of life? Well, depends on, I suppose it can depend on the situation. Like if somebody, I don't know, steals money from you, I think that would indicate the end of a friendship. Uh, yeah, if, but, you, if someone destroy, if someone betrayal. Um, betrays your common values and you can't trust them anymore, mm-hmm. um, yeah, if your friendship is built on common values and they sabotage those common values, then the basis is in, in tatters, and you could try to reconstruct it um Mm -hmm. if it was super out of character or if they um were going through like a really hard time or something uh that's definitely case by case yeah i guess a sabotage is one way a friendship can end is there betrayal would be another if somebody let's say somebody lies and backstabs you so lack of trust uh, I guess another good way is how how is friendship devalued? Uh, or a better way is how is it that we devalue our own friendships in our lives? Or how is it that our culture can devalue friendship? Uh, yeah, th- I think um, if... C.S. Lewis and Aristotle are right that friendships are built on partially common interests. Uh, sometimes people can just kind of drift apart and be interested in different things. And that, that could be part of life and they could part ways. Um, like sometimes there can be this... Hmm, sometimes there's this thing where people make friends and they want to sustain it forever like they Mm -hmm. want it to be this perfect thing and then then they get very hurt if if someone gets married or or things change uh as far as how our culture devalues it sometimes sometimes people over overemphasize what's betrayal like someone moving on is not mm-hmm. always betrayal. Uh, 
and, and some people get calloused because they interpret things as betrayal that aren't necessarily betrayal. I've seen that happen before. Uh, I've seen... Yeah, I, I guess it's... Sometimes it's with different level of commitments. Like one person, it's just a, uh, a lighthearted, let's be bar buddies friendship. And then people grow the heck up and that's like not really their thing anymore. But like sometimes one person's more committed to the relationship than the other. It's like, oh, I mm -hmm. thought we were just drinking buddies. I didn't think we were, uh, you know, to the depth of having the same values or of, of mm -hmm. this. So, yeah, I guess they're, hmm. I guess, an, I guess another topic would be, how is it that, how is it that, and this would be more related to the guys, how is it that a woman who just sees a guy as a friend, a guy mistakes the woman's intentions with him? So basically, she just wants to remain friends, but yet he's like, I want something more. And she's like, I'm sorry. I, I don't see you that way. How now that's combining Eros and friendship in a sense, but I don't think that's doing it in a wrong way, but help me out here. I'm trying to connect. Yeah. This. There's this, it's kind of a bit of an experiment. There's this uh, Jordan B. Peterson quote where he's saying after world war two and all the women entered the workforce that, American a life has been very different that for mm -hmm. most of history before then it was kind of men working side by side and women working side by side in their own categories and having them all mixed it it's a it's a very dramatic change that not a lot of people know how to handle uh, and it can lead to confusion yeah um I think just communication is key, honestly, hmm. of what people are trying to get out of a relationship. You you can read body language only to a point, but at some point, it's like you just can't keep on inferencing. You just need to ask. Mm -hmm. uh, it it is weird with guys or girls though, because if they're friends, someone's heart can always be wandering and in the direction of wanting a relationship like that there's nothing really stopping it whereas two um heterosexual males in a friendship hmm. you don't really have that premonition that someone's heart is wandering or has the capacity to wander mm -hmm. uh, so, something i do love is getting in a relationship and then you can do double dates it's mm -hmm. like oh my goodness uh It's like a different way of interacting with society that you can be friends with someone and maybe friends with some of the opposite sex and know that you're both in your own relationship and like you're fine. There's some amount of security about hearts wandering, whether it's in a double date or uh, just knowing someone else that's in a relationship. Mm -hmm. But that's that's not really anything uh dogmatic that's just kind of a, a security i know 
just how things change. I I I wonder. I wonder as I wander. Uh, that's an old hymn. I I think there was a part in here where he mentions how if a woman brings a man along where a man's kind of reluctant to do something, but he still does it. It's really of no harm. Um, the man will still do it. He's kind of civilized. But if a man tries to bring a woman along in regards to the same things he's interested in, be it a, a little bit more, I guess, physical, it's, and I'm just generalizing here. It's nothing specific. Are you saying like, hmm, it, it was something that was mentioned in in this chapter. Yeah, I think he was addressing the, the education difference in men and women. Mm -hmm. I, I think that part of the chapter is a little dated. Yeah, I, I can I can definitely see because, yeah, now I remember. It, it was more of, you know, the guy goes out, makes some money, comes home. The woman stays at home. And that was, that was his day and age. The thought just came to mind. Um, let's say girl goes up, goes to a really nice school and everything gets really good grades, goes out into the real world, meets a guy who's more of a blue collar worker, say a bit more crass. I, I wonder how people would view in that. Let's say they're a bit more snobbish, I guess. I wonder how they would view a man like that. Um, they probably wouldn't view him as refined. I feel like we're kind of getting a little off topic. I'm trying to bring it back around to friendship on this one. Um, I guess a good way of putting it is bringing them around their group of friends. How would that be relatable to that? Yeah, yeah, I think there can be riffs on on multiple levels. If let's just say um, two people start a relationship, and they have different friend groups. I think there's multiple ways there can be riffs. Uh, and that's just going to take compromise. Um, and it's it's going to have to take like a heightened conscientiousness towards differences and a little bit of, of flexing. Mm -hmm. If someone finds it very important to them to have very, I know, heady or refined ways of thinking... I think they need to consider it in a partner how important those values are. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of weird. It's hmm. yeah, because part of it, if you're not getting something in a relationship, you're going to try to get outside of the relationship. Yeah, yeah, and I notice as well. Uh, C.S. Lewis mentions a woman who's trying to get a man away from his friends and kind of isolate him. And I think it might have something to do with her trying to create the ideal man she wants. Do you, was that the, I don't think that was the point he was making, but yeah, I, I think his, I think it was still pretty dated. It was just addressing some of the educational gaps in Britain and the, this book was written in 1960. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think, well, actually, if we could apply something like that to our modern lives where 
a woman or a man um, can try to get I, I'm I'm just only speaking somewhat from experience so this is more going to be from my my angle uh, a woman can try to get a man to come away from her friends although this didn't necessarily happen to me but this is just the perspective that I'm giving uh, a woman can try to get her guy to come away from her friends because she feels like he's uh, not sharing a lot of the same interest as her or he's seeming either kind of boring or outlandish depending on the type of hobbies he's into and so i i guess you could say that would be trying to have uh, even though it is a romantic relationship having a forced friendship without communication if that makes sense so basically think of you're trying to get somebody to conform to what you want them to be but as a matter of fact, that's not who they are. So instead of trying to communicate things, you're trying to force them to be something that they're not. Yeah, that definitely exists in the world. Um, I think there's two ideas conflated there. One is this idea that some people get in relationships, two different friend groups, and they become very inward facing towards each other and cut out those friend groups either consciously or unconsciously mm -hmm. consciously they cut out those friend groups by just spending all time with each other and then like leaving their friends unconsciously they would um get out of those friend groups by being very affectionate and a lot of pda around people mm -hmm. and then as a result of that uh, people just don't really want to invite them to events because it's it's like a little bit antisocial to the setting. Yeah. If people are trying to be friends or trying to be friends, um, and people just might not want to see that. Mm -hmm. So that's the, I guess, active and passive way that people can become inward facing and, and duck out of friend groups um, rather than making a commitment to you know, I, I kiss you not in front of a bunch of people and hold your hand not in front of a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. uh, Keep talking. I'm, and then, I'm just making a note. Yes. So one idea is the issue of it being inward facing. And then the other issue that I think you're conflating with that is confounding. Is that the word I'm looking for? I might be mm -hmm. confounding. Um, the, the other issue that you mentioned is it possibly being controlling like hi I'm cutting off my friend group but also I have your expectations to fulfill every part of my personality the part of that friend group back there that's really sporty yeah I want you to be that and the part of the friendship in my friend circle back there that's you know has book clubs and stuff I want you to be that mm -hmm. and, and sometimes it can be controlling and unrealistic if you expect to put so much emphasis on your partner to be something and I, th I think there is a healthy way to have a free exchange of ideas like going on double dates and uh, being in friend groups where you're not aggressively physical <laughs> um, in front of other people because they'll yeah they'll butt you out um nine times out of ten 
Yeah, so so one is control and this lack of, of freedom and free flow of ideas and personalities and thoughts and whatnot. And the other one is is people just consciously or unconsciously becoming inward facing when they get in a relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. Uh, my my note that I my is more of a question. How do you not abandon your friends in pursuit of a relationship? Like you're all spending all this time with this other person, and your friends are wondering, "Hey, where'd you go?" Whenever you finally see them, how? What's a good practical advice for not abandoning friendship in pursuit of a romantic relationship? I think it's reasonable that to expect your friends to downsize maybe if you get into a very committed relationship because you're going to have less time and that's just a temporal constraint on it. It's reasonable to maybe have some anticipation of that. I I think there is some some level of understanding that goes along with just knowing that maybe people change and like hey, we just got engaged and when you get engaged, maybe there could be new fire to our our friendship. We can go on double dates, this, that, whatnot. Uh, yeah, I think it does require commitment. As, as far as when you get into a relationship and your friend groups are perhaps downsized, for the ones that are, are still after that downsizing, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, there's this level of commitment and there also is this necessary acknowledgement that it's it's healthy for you to have friends outside of your relationship. Realizing how being so inward facing can perhaps make you lose perspective. Uh, so, so it is a choice and some people will just get totally knocked out by these normal human um impulses to to totally shack up with someone and then not see the daylight ever Mm -hmm. Uh, it just it's really up to the individual um to a realize the benefit of friendships and b realize how it's healthy and it, it perhaps can even help your your marriage your relationship your cohabitation your whatever occurs yeah I wonder how we can better our own friendships. I guess I guess just communicate. <laughs> it sounds cliche, but communication is is good and key. I, I I'm still learning what it means to be a good friend. I guess not always putting, although I I don't do this, but not always putting your knees before others. That's kind of another cliche, but it's true. But I, I think I'm pretty good at that. I think another helpful tool is setting, I don't say boundaries because that's like... <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, yeah. I think expectations, the better word, setting expectations on friendships, saying, hey, it's it's fall, I like to do running, you like to do running, mm-hmm. let's just do a, a fall run thing for a bit. Sometimes when it gets to, let's go to the gym every day indefinitely forever. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it, 
it becomes like kind of unrealistic because no one was told in advance what they're committed to. It's like <laughs> we have these common goals and we want to do them to some capacity. But but at some point it's going to get stale. It might be good to switch gym partners and you learn some like mm-hmm. different um, lifting techniques. My gym partner is a monkey. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Continue. <laughs> that was very ominous. <laughs> Yeah, that's... I, I know exactly what you're talking about, though, there. Yeah, I, I think saying in advance, it's like a commitment. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we're doing a book club. We're committed for one book. Here's the expectation up front mm-hmm. so that no one's hurt in the long run when they expected it to be this perfect, preserved in a glass case with saran wrap around it, friendship that goes into perpetuity. Because, mm-hmm. like... Like people will will change a little bit, and th- that's natural. And there's there's like a flow to reality that you can't really fight. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think all that was good, especially the gym part. The gym part. <laughs> yes. We. Yeah. We'll 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 keep it at that. Um. I don't know if I really have much else to add. I, yeah, I I feel like this this episode was okay. But it's just trying to get a lot out of a little bit. Uh, what's the best way of putting it? I felt like Lewis was trying to make his points in this chapter, but he kind of stretched it out a bit. And so although there was some substance there, it felt like he was trying to stretch out more than what he needed to do in this chapter. It was still a good chapter regardless, but that that's my only real criticism of it yeah he started at the end he was just getting into how friends make groups and then there's name calling towards this group and that group and Mm -hmm. us versus them and uh he seemed to be saying that friend groups are inherently good however when pride enters them and people start groups of people start to treat each other differently by their group identity. Then it falls apart. But like I said, I, I I think George said it well. He didn't really get it to anything super profound there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really have much else. Next next one's going to be Eros. So basically, more of a passionate kind of love. Uh, we'll we'll read that for this week, and we'll go from there. Oh, I'm ready. We should, we should set up a little little fire or something. Watch uh, those YouTube clips of ten hour fireplace. Um, I'll bring my comfortable PJs. <laughs> uh, all right. Be well, friends. <laughs>